G'day and welcome to today's episode of Beers with Engineers. As you've probably gathered by now, we're a bunch of blokes that believe if something looks dumb, but it works, then it's not dumb. Paddy lights up the podcast with his concerns about why Australia has not invested in more large-scale solar farms yet, a very curious topic in the energy industry. Following that, Sean has a very innovative pitch that might keep you safe from stranger danger. He is shocked to always hear women being targeted by unwanted touching, but he might not be as shocked as the predators are going to be. I then teach you guys one of the most important foundations about making beer and how one key ingredient can determine the entire quality of your brew. If you're new to the podcast, please head over to our YouTube channel and other socials. Hit the subscribe button to see how we turn our podcasts into reality. My name is James and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Well, welcome back to another episode of Beers with Engineers. My name is Jimothy and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Patricio and Sean the Prawn. How are we going, Paddy? You're looking fresh as always, mate. Uh, gracias, amigo. I am very well. I'm very well. If you haven't noticed, I've uh, changed my uh, my look a little bit, as uh, <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, well, it's looking very good, man. I noticed it straight away. Yeah. Well, if uh, for the people that can't, uh, that are only listening, I've uh, recently gained a moustache to my uh, facial hair, to my face. It, it does make and... you look smarter, Patty. I'm hoping for this podcast, I, well, I, I think I moustache you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Well, I got you know what? I watched Boogie Nights last night and I got inspired. Love it, love it. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well. Been a busy week. We've just um, published Spook Mirror in terms of our social media. So uh, just wrapping up that project. So very happy to get that out the door and uh, happy to move on to my next one. How about yourself, James? How are you doing? Look, I'm good. It's been a long week and a good weekend. Um, Surf's been looking flat, but that's okay because look, I'm not going to wait any longer. Let's just let's just crack open a beer. Yep, keen. All right, three, two, one. So yeah, delicious. No, it's just been a nice, hot, warm winter weekend with a bit of wind today. Um, but very windy. Very. But windy. I mean, on that intro note, I think we should get into Patty's question or Patty's pitch what have we got for you what have very we got good. from you today I'm very keen to hear this Patty well actually it's a, it's a question and excellent segue because we're talking about the wind we're talking about the weather it's a weather-based question because I think I brought it up to probably uh, probably James actually but I've always uh, actually no I was thinking of Sean because Sean is ma- massive in the uh he loves a good solar panel he loves uh he loves solar panels like he loves like uh, a normal child loves a dog like a lot. <laughs> I'm also just massive as well, but we'll move on from there. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and I was thinking because like I recently got solar panels on uh, on my family home. My mum got I uh, caved and got them finally, and she loves it because you know she leaves the heater on all day, pays for itself, great, or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, we have a lot of sun. We get a lot of sun in this country. Why isn't there? Why don't we have more solar panels in Australia? And why isn't there just like a massive solar farm in the middle? Sean's of Sean's literally sitting here going, "Please finish your question. I just want to. I just want to start answering this. Like, please. I'm, I just want to. Like, I'm raring to go. I'm a horse in the His stadium. brain is exploding with like just everything. He's like, oh my god, I know exactly yeah. what to say. You have a good explanation Honestly. on it, but from my understanding, it's a lot to do with the politicians. 
there, there's a lot of politics around it. I mean, that being said, Australia has an incredible amount of solar resource, like you just mentioned, a lot of sun coming down. Um, and it's it's quite sparse across Australia. You've got quite a bit in Queensland and surprisingly quite a bit in South Australia, even considering how south it is. And even though it's got less sun, there's certain areas which is just no cloud. So it's just predictable, nice, good sun all year round. Um, the first question is, why don't we have uh, more solar panels? The, the problem with solar, right, it's completely uh, tied in with the sun. Obviously, it's a solar panel. That, that makes sense, right? The problem is with everyone getting solar panels on their roofs and then solar farms in like rural New South Wales and Victoria and Queensland pumping, they all pump at the same time, which means they're all competing at the same time. So at times when sun's not up, like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., we're seeing uh, energy energy use increase quite dramatically because solar panels, are, when they're installed in your house, they're not seen by the grid as um, a generator. What they're seen as reduced load. So your house, if you think of like energy use as a, a graph over time, it's pretty flat in the mornings, really early in the morning when there's nothing on. And during the morning, it starts to rise as things turn on, right? Your TV switches on to watch the news. You have your hot showers. Uh, you've got your coffee machine on, your toaster. And then as you go to work or if you work from home, you start turning on other stuff. That's fine. But solar panels, that generation just reduces that load. It pulls that out of the graph. So it actually drops and what we're now finding is that solar, that demand curve for energy is now going negative. You're now producing more energy than you or the house next to you needs. And you're seeing uh, rural areas, like, um, sorry, uh, residential areas, high, high residential areas like where we live. Um, the energy is actually pretty much zero because solar panels are producing so much in that area that the demand can't keep up. It's just dropping like crazy. And then you've got these other solar farms, and they're also now competing out west. Or, well, I say west from Sydney, but um, those are where all the other ones are. But there's solar farms all across Australia. They're also competing at the exact same time when demand's low. So it's actually pushing it down. And so we're approaching a limit of solar panels being effective because after a while, the price of electricity goes from $40 a megawatt hour, which is being set by coal and whatnot, to zero. And, and solar literally doesn't make money at that point. You go, oh, no. But you have this abundance. So if you put more solar in, that price then becomes negative. You now have to pay to give electricity into the grid. And certain solar panels like, I'm just going to run. I don't care. I'm dumb. Like, uh, no, Sorry, not dumb. They're just dumb systems. They just run constantly. And so coal is now clicking off. You know, they're being forced out. So there's there's um, we're at a point of solar where it's it's reached a really nice point. What we really need is energy to increase with COVID and the recession uh well a recession um that energy demand from industry really isn't taking off so solar is kind of waiting for demand to, to come online so small solar can come on um and the other question was why don't we have a big solar solar farm in the middle of australia that's actually a really excellent question too it's it's been considered a few times the the general issue with it is because the grid itself is so spaced out. You've got these big transmission wires connecting, like, I think the north of Queensland all the way to Adelaide, like these big wires going through, then smaller wires that go into little areas and even smaller wires that wire into your house, your business and whatnot. So um, having a big solar farm in the middle of Australia would be really difficult because you would need this solar farm 
to not connect to one city, but to all of them to properly send out energy where it's needed. Some cities need a lot more energy than others at certain times of the day. And so for that solar farm to not be turned off or uh, in the industry, it's called curtailment, to not be curtailed, they need to be able to constantly have someone taking that energy. And right now, solar farms uh, are just being curtailed already just because the transmission lines aren't there. So you need to upgrade the, the grid around it. And the grid's based off coal, which was built in the 70s. They built the coal and the power lines at the same time. But now coal's leaving, solar's being installed, and transmission still is the same kind of design from the 80s. It needs to be changed, and that's where we're seeing a massive change now. So right now, it's it's arguably not economic to have a really large solar farm somewhere, but in 10, 20 years, yeah, we are seeing stuff like that. We've got a, a big solar farm being installed in Darwin to send to fucking Singapore. Like, that seems crazy. Sun cable. Like, it's... It was going to be the largest solar farm. The next, it's just been overtaken this week because the biggest solar farm's going in in Western Australia connected to nothing. It's connected to a hydrolyzer or electrolyzer pumping hydrogen and sending it to Europe. Mm. That's more economical than sending it to Australia. That's, that's how they're doing it. It's going to be like, like I, I don't remember the actual numbers, but it's like 52 gigawatts. Your household solar, I'm guessing, Patty, is probably like five kilowatts. This is five, is it million? Yeah, five a hundred million times bigger. Yeah, Yeah, like it's massive. You're looking hectares and upon hectares of land going to solar, and none of that energy will go to Australia. So essentially, like what you're saying here, we have a big issue around the capitalism side of solar. The capital cost isn't enough demand at the moment, and the actual design to transmit it from the middle of Australia to here, the design's not there, which is also not economical. Yeah, I mean, that, that issue is also resolving itself. There's, um, there's a big transmission line going in called the Energy Connects, and that's wiring in, um, sorry, uh, Sydney straight to Adelaide. So cuts out Victoria altogether. So there's, if there's a problem with a line where it can't provide more energy from South Australia to Victoria, it means it can't get energy from South Australia to New South Wales or Queensland. This means it can just skip Victoria, uh, less, less distance it needs to travel. It's like building a new road between two cities. It just means more traffic can go through and encourages people to move around. And that's what energy is going to do. It's going to move more, um, which is uh, great to see. And it means all these solar projects, which uh, were on the line of being like economically viable, their profits just fucking skyrocket. Mm. So it's and that makes sense because like, you know, we use a lot of, a lot of solar in Australia, but a lot of it's actually small, small scale. It's almost like large scale. It's almost none at all. It's like 10% or something. You'd probably know the figures better than me, but from what I understand, it's like half of what we use for small scale. Mm. It's not industrially favored yet, but I'd love to see some sort of a boom like we had the last three booms in the past from 1980 to now. Yeah. It's weird. It's like if you look at all the solar installed on households and all the solar installed in massive farms by big corporations with agreements, they're about the same. It's weird to think that as a community of Australians, the economics have clicked in so well that households have overtaken corporations in terms of buying power. It's like if uh, you had a community fund where you were like, oh, I'll, I'll put in this, I'll put in that, and that's worth more than Amazon. That's effectively what's happened in Australia. I mean, that's going to switch quite quickly in the next 10 years, but it's still amazing to see this huge community kind of gathering behind solar, regardless of if you like solar or not, you like money. Economics just makes sense. Reduced electricity bill saves a bit more. I just did a quick Google on uh, like solar panel, like solar power in Australia, so solar panels, 
and there is currently a master plan. It's called Renewable Energy Master Plan 2030. Have you heard of this, Sean? Not a master plan. I've heard of other projects, but what's this one? Who's it by? Basically, the Council of Sydney is attempting to make the city run 100% on renewable energy by 2030. The plan was announced in 2014 with the blueprints made public on their web on on the on the council website. Oh, that's awesome. No, I, I wasn't aware of that, but um I think I did hear that they were looking to supply all the businesses with 100% um renewable energy and that's a pretty simple process of using a purchase price agreement. Pretty much the idea that a solar farm out west is like we're going to produce this much electricity um that's renewable and then uh, pretty much the Sydney or the city or a corporation or like the University of New South Wales did this too. They're saying, okay, we we actually like consume this much amount of energy. We will guarantee that that exact amount on both sides is equal. So we've pretty much guaranteed a certain amount of renewable energy is being generated and that offsets our one. So even if you're using energy at one in the morning, they've said, look, we've we use 10 gigawatt hours of energy. We've made sure 10 gigawatt hours of renewable energy is online. We are 100% renewable. And that's the logic. And honestly, it does does work. And it has been pushing renewable farms like into installation, guaranteed the economics for 20 years. Um, it, it's, a good, it's a good financial tool. It works quite well. Yeah, nice. I've that got a bit awesome. of a follow-up question when you were talking about transmission of solar from like a rural to, a, I guess, a CBD area. Um, area, sorry. So, I've seen a lot online recently of like the smart flower, which is like like a flower that unfolds, right? I'm sure you yeah, know what it yeah. looks like. So, you have like, to basically put into perspective for the audience, you have like, I guess, like eight to 12 flaps that are like lined up in one and then a motor unwinds it and makes it look like this big flower and then kind of makes it concave. So, it looks like it's, you know, yeah, like a, like an eyeball, like a, in, your eye socket, for example. Um could you have like multiple smart flowers along like a transmission grid instead of using or on on the transmission grid sorry and they opened up during the day and were constantly like absorbing the power of the sun how does that actually like affect the in terms of solar flux and whatnot yeah so another good question um if you look at a solar for rooftops they're always flat installed and they're fixed they don't move at all what you've described is known as a dual axis tracking solar system so Solar panels work really well when sunlight is directly, not proportional, perpendicular, that's the word, perpendicular to it. That's when they hit their max power. And so as sun comes up in the morning, it's not going to be perpendicular to your panels. In the afternoon, it's not perpendicular to your panels. What uh, the solar flower does is it tracks where the sun is and the panels will then face it at all times of the day and maximize that that, that power output. And this is really good for when you don't have a lot of room and you need to have um, a lot of power at all times. And this works well. But generally speaking, the economics uh, aren't as good as a single axis tracker. If you think of a panel that just like, wobbles from one side to the other, those ones, they're a lot cheaper to build because there's a lot less moving parts. Um, and the economics of the additional sunlight just tick them up. So pretty much every solar farm in Australia is single axis. I don't think we would see much dual axis tracking um, just because in that scale, you get cheap panels in a lot of area and just put them on single axis trackers. That's generally what, at the bottom dollar, makes sense. Mm. Um, but it, it would be an interesting interesting component. The, the thing is also transmission lines are already quite um, at their max. 
So putting more in might not be ideal unless you upgraded those lines. I saw, but they take five years. To I do. saw this really sick video the day. I think it was like um, this mad animation someone made, but he made it look so real. And what he had was a Tesla that was parking itself in a car park. And then like a pole appeared out of the top of the Tesla and one of those smart flowers appeared out of it, curved itself in. And while this person went out for coffee, like the Tesla just charged itself. Obviously, reducing the demand for charging ports and whatnot. Don't know if that's something that's feasible, but it just looks so mad. Another thing I saw was, um, well, not saw, but my, one of my mates' project, he did like a greenhouse and he powered his Arduino using a solar panel and he put a servo motor in his project on the solar panel just to track the sun. So, just what you described there of that um, single axis tracking can be done on a small scale as well, which is amazing. Yeah, that actually would be really cool. No, just what you were describing kind of reminded me of the of the what was it the uh the Selinsky car from honey i blew up the kid because there's like a massive like <laughs> like a cliche mum van but covered like the top is covered with solar panels <laughs> so the so the car only runs off solar energy so it's useless during the oh, night time yeah <laughs> it just drives from like 6 a.m to 6 p.m and then stops at the side of the road a hundred percent i think they get i think at one point in the movie they get like it's like they can't move because they have to go up a massive hill and it's like there's like a shade oh. like it's just shade it's just like they can't drive up i i but that's yeah yeah here you go i'm sorry no it's, that's actually a really funny point people are like oh why don't you just put solar panels on your cars the the cars draw so much power your, your panels aren't going to provide enough they're not efficient enough um and also i kind of cry inside when i see like cars with panels strapped on top of them because the silicon is incredibly delicate they're not really supposed to move so if you have a car that's bumping around, that panel goes from like a hundred percent efficiency to like four. Mm. Like it's it's so sad watching these things crack and crumble, and you're like, oh honey, no, yeah. no, I it's mean, not supposed to be there. This is like looking at Sunswift at UNSW. <laughs> now the Sunswift, the Sunswift one's different. They used um, thin, thin, uh, what's it called? Thin silicon amorphous cells, so they're less efficient, but a lot less, a uh, lot more durable, okay. and you can fold them around curves. Um, the ones that I'm sure strapped to, to cars are all just the ones you're supposed to put in your house and just leave there. And they're like, oh, I just took it off and plugged it in my car. I'm like, oh, no. Honey. Please don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> put some shocks on it at least. Please. Something. Something to absorb, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm pretty sure I also pitched the idea of if I didn't get solar panels on my roof, I'll just put a giant wind turbine in the back, in my backyard. I would love to see like small-scale wind turbines. Those things are like... They they were efficient. Like, okay, to to put it in perspective, your car right takes chemical energy, burns it, um, uses that to create heat and pressure inside the 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 pistons of the car. That then turns the transmission. Then the wheels turn. Right. That's the the chemical the energy flow. Mm-hmm. An average car is twenty to thirty percent efficient. It is low. Like it, it's so low. People are like solar panels are twenty percent. So is my car. Like it's it's really low. Wind turbines are forty five percent. They punch, yeah. and what you can get is the, the the usual wind farms you see are these big ones that look like big fans. They're called um, ho- no, they're vertical turbines. What you can get is horizontal ones, and these ones are cool. They're the ones you see on top of buildings, and they spin around. They kind of look like a weird. Um, they look like the DNA genome, and they they just they they kind of spin. They look like this. How do I describe it? 
You know, like a spiral staircase going around. Mm. It's like a, a few of those that have carbon fiber and they'll spin. And, oh, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah. So at lower wind speed, these things are a lot more efficient. They're like 50, 60. I, I don't want to give exact numbers, but they're incredibly, and they would look really cool on top of a house, like this little spinning um, uh, DNA genome. Yeah. Wind's cool, man. It's like one of the biggest drivers of renewable energy in Australia. The biggest, isn't it? Yeah. It's. I think it might be, and it's about to get a massive boost going forward. I think it's going to be the most predominant one in the next 20, 30 years. You guys should invest in, like, Goldwyn Investors, um, the manufacturers now. Yeah. Get some tech stocks in there. Is there also a crypto I just find in it? it? I just find it disheartening that, like, wins just, like, <laughs> look down upon because just it's ugly. That's one of the one of the biggest reasons people don't like it. I it, No, that argument just doesn't hold. Doesn't, it. It's like, oh, it kills birds. I'm like... You know how many birds like go through the the fume stacks of a coal building and just die and fall off. They've never released those numbers, but there's thousands. Like you go near a coal plant, there's dead birds everywhere. But people say, but the the bird like can fly through it, but a bird can't th- fly through a wind turbine. It's gonna get fucking smacked. And it's just like such a dumb argument. <laughs> like like wind farms have to go through so many steps of yes, we've made sure the local wildlife's fine. Yes, we've done this. Yes, we've checked this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coal turbines didn't do any of that shit. And they're like, we're going to build another one. No, stop building coal. <laughs> Gotta love the coalition. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to get into a rant if we yeah. keep going down. Anywho, that was, um, well, that was a great question All from right. Patty and amazing explanation All from right. Sean. Um, Time out, go to James. Yeah, well, speaking of Sean, Sean, did you have something you want to talk about? Ooh, I've got a pitch idea. And this one I think is kind of interesting. I, I passed it by James before. We had a good chat about this. But, Patty, you and I went for a drinks uh, a while back, um, just before everything kind of went downhill. And it was just you, me, and your missus. And we went down to Cronulla. We had a few drinks. Mm-hmm. And we met up some other friends, which I won't name, just to keep the identities hidden. And it was a fun time. It was a fun time until we heard of what happened at the end. And pretty much one of our mm. friends... Uh, kind of was harassed uh, in a sexual nature. And um, that was the third one I had heard of that week of my friends being kind of harassed sexually, just going out for drinks or in their workplace and things like that. And I had a friend tell me like, oh, I was working and a guy came up and licked my ear. And because he had a big bill, they didn't kick him out. Yeah. Well, that's my thing is like, how is this okay? This This seems so wild to me that... People get away with it, and and it's just getting off. So um, it's just going crazy. So I, I wanted an idea, and the idea is is pretty simple, but it's also hilarious. Um, so one thing that I, I noticed too, and I try and stop as well, was when girls are at the bar and whatnot, and guys like come up behind them and just like put their hands on their shoulders or their lower back, and and it's they, they're clearly uncomfortable, but they're not in a position to be like, "Hey, get off me." Mm. Not everyone's going to be confrontational and stand up and say, "Hey, don't fucking touch me." Some people just, in the moment, they're in a bit of shock. They don't want to do it. More standoffish. Yeah, yeah. So like, no, I'm not sure standoff. Yeah, like the the idea that they're they're not comfortable uh, engaging or confronting someone about it. And so, I was thinking, I want to get a lady's jacket and use uh, conductive material and wire it on the outside and then on the inside of the jacket, wire in a low-grade taser. <laughs> it's, fucking, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and, and so when I say low-grade taser, this is very much uh, the... Uh, have you ever had those, gone to a physiotherapist and they get those pads on your legs and they like... 
they turn up the voltage a little bit and it kind of stimulates your muscles. Yeah. And then they crank yeah. it to 10 and your leg just kicks out. Or you're like, <laughs> and you just freak out. I want to get that exact thing. I think it's called a TENS machine. Um, I have one at home. And so I actually put it on James. Um, and it's like, yeah, I'll crank it up. And I turned it up to six. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And he's just moving yeah. around his I chair. mean, and the thing is, the thing is, it doesn't cause any pain. It's just more of an awareness thing, which is why it's a good thing. Go on, Sean. Yeah. Is that to... Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's it's just like, oh, don't do that. And it's like the, the Pavlov's dogs of... Um, dogs were... Um, when they eat, they would ring a bell. And then the dogs would start to salivate as they began to eat. And eventually what he did was he didn't feed them. He'd just ring the bell. And the dogs started to salivate, get really hungry because they expect a meal. Take that principle, but instead of a bell being positive reinforcement, use tasers as negative reinforcement stop touching women in nightclubs hands off at all times and so that's my current pitch for a project i love it i absolutely my only because when as soon as you said like taser i was the i i didn't think of the physiotherapy Mm, yeah uh, yeah, sort of like the uh, muscle muscle therapy thing i was thinking more just like the the shock that you might there's like this it's like a static shock yeah that you might get to a, uh, you know, just rubbing your feet on the carpet or something like that and then mm. touch metal. But I was just thinking, so I assume you would try and design a way that if it was to, like, if a guy was to touch somebody, and when I feel like I feel like we probably shouldn't restrict this to, uh, to only females. Like, males sometimes get harassed in a club, yeah. like, depending on what, like... Well, yeah. it's... It's pretty funny you mentioned this because I actually said the exact same thing to Sean when he brought this up. I'm like, I've been harassed as a male before. Oh, like, yeah. But I think yeah. the general consensus is that, you know, obviously what we try and push equality as much as we can, but in the general consensus, it's majority Major- females. Majority, the majority of the time, of the time yeah. it is females. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what's driving it. And Sean's so, friends were all female, right? When they told you the stories. Mm-hmm. Sean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, correct. So that's I think that's, that's where yeah. it kind of came from. But yeah. My main thing is, is like, will there, if it touch, if, if so, if a guy touches like the shoulder of a girl with this so-called jacket on, mm-hmm. that when they touch it, it'll shock them in like the way, same way it shocks like a in like a muscle therapy way. Yeah. Would it also shock the lady? No. Or, so or the, or the fit. Yeah. So that was okay. that was a big concern. Make it sure that it doesn't shock both. Of them. There's no point yeah, having this. It's if like it's you don't gonna get yourself. It's, it's not. It's not. It's, this isn't a killed two birds with one stone situation. This is like I'm doing nothing wrong here. I'm just standing, getting. I'm getting my fucking chardonnay, <laughs> and some creepy asshole behind me is being yeah. an asshole. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So um, I I did do a quick test as well on fabric, and um, the tens machine that I have does not do well on fabric. It only works really on on skin contact, the insulation that um, I did on a denim jacket. Then I also tried it on like just sweatpants and that was thick enough to stop that current or that, that circuit from being closed. And so I was like, okay, sweet. doesn't really matter what you do. That being said, I might want to put on like, I don't know, like a polyester jacket inside or, <laughs> or a lining. So it's, it definitely doesn't um, really get the reaction from the person wearing it. Wear with a thermal. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, just just walk out in huge amounts of clothing. At that point, you wouldn't feel the touch anyways because you're just covered in clothing. But would it? I assume it will be battery charged. Yeah, it is currently battery charged. It's a 9-volt battery, which is really surprising. It just pumps up that voltage and low current. That's big. Yeah. So. No, but would you like... With the 9-volt battery, like, would there be like... 
would you need to carry that like like you have to thin it down mm. you'll need to like i love the idea but there's just a lot of like yeah well there's a lot of mechanic mm. me- the mechanics i can't even wrap my head around it i can't even say the word mechanics currently i'm so shocked <laughs> well, by think, it. think of this it's page. just like think of this. Those, do you know those shock pens that you, we used to have as a trick in school? When you used to press the button, you'd get like a big shock. You know, everybody used to have that joke around in school. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I was more of a fan of the shock. Yeah, gun. well, that's a similar principle is when that button's pushed down, it closes the circuit and the wires are hooked directly to that. So it punches the current through. Those shock pens actually use six volts of power. So you could even adopt that to mm. like a conductive mm. fabric, which they really exist and they're very easy to get delivered as well. I like it. Yeah, the the tens machine itself um, is about the size of a wallet. It's quite small and compact, including the battery. Um, and so my idea is to wire it into the jacket itself. So you could take the tens machine out, wash the jacket, put it back on, plug it in, and it's ready to go. And it'll just be like having a wallet in your jacket. Like it's it wouldn't be much. That being said, I'm pretty sure women's clothing does still doesn't have pockets. Why the fuck does women's clothing not have pockets? I'm so mad about this. It's because it's a it's a massive fashion conspiracy. I've had I've had conversations about this very thing with my old uni mates, mm. where it's like the they know they can get more out of ladies when it comes to um design and like branded yeah. wear. So they have no pockets in jeans or jackets, so they have so they have to buy a purse and buy or buy a handbag or buy something oh, to carry everything. So counterintuitive. No, I, I, I know that logic, but like if enough people are like screaming out for goddamn pockets, surely someone's like, I'm gonna make pocket clothing. And that oh, thing would just take off. There's I think there's a lot there's a lot of independent like fashion fashion mm-hmm. labels and companies, some pretty that, you know, actually have pockets with jeans. Like um I saw a I saw like when I was like eighteen, I saw a girl with a pocket with no pockets for in jeans. I was like, I, I was like, why don't you have pockets? I was like, oh, they didn't come with them. I was like, what a waste of a fucking jeans. Yeah, like, there's no point buying the, them. <laughs> the whole point of jeans is like, so it's like it's it's fashionable and practical. Yeah, I think that's the whole point of like you know wearing what I'm wearing, like what you wear. I so, <laughs> wait, if, I, you know what? Time out. When did this become a fashion podcast? What's going on? I just here? wanted to have a rant about pockets. I just, look, sorry. I look, just, I, 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 hate- I, I propose we take this amazing project idea. We hold on to it for the next 20 years and then we scale it up when more technology is available to instead shock the person, make them hallucinate when they touch a girl and see like a demon that just goes <laughs> plus 10 poison off. damage. <laughs> Go through a massive yeah. demon. Go, go, go for like DMT a mad DMT trip for like three and a half hours. See, oh, see the devil, see the demons, and they just wake up and they're like, "It's been five minutes." It's like, no, it's been ten hours. Unless, <laughs> unless some laws have been changed about uh, spiking uh, and like uh, you know making people go through false trips and drugging people, then I think we might fall in that bracket of in that. Yeah, I feel like our our the solution that we're trying to develop here is to stop like. Um, assaults on a night out this is arguably making the problem worse not really being a solution (laughs) we're trying to figure out so basically just to kind of sum it up so to sum up Sean's pitch basically it is a jacket that had that one when somebody touches the outside Mm -hmm. receives a non-lethal shock yes nice okay and that doesn't fall in the, the any type of realm of illegality because of other shock-based devices such as the shock pen, the shock gum, yeah. and just also like, you know, the you can buy, um, you know, the, the, the like a muscle mm, therapy TMS. thing, like mm. as, as I assume you did, Sean. Yeah. So 
I think that I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I love it. I think like as it's bet it's sort of like in the realm of the uh like the the keychain that is like like a the, the lethal keychain that looks like a cap but really it's like a mm. it's like a, a brass knuckles on the on a girl's keychain or like the fingernails where you dip it in and it, and it, if it comes a certain color it's you've been drugged yeah so it's sort of like in that weird vein in that vein so I like it yeah and I, I was also gonna... not not the drugging no no the I drugging, like the yeah. the protection yeah, yeah, obviously obviously <laughs> yeah the solution not the problem um yeah I also exactly. had an idea for also putting it as like a trigger in your in your pocket so. In one of your jacket pockets, you have to slide your hand in and press something down. That way, if you don't bump into a friend, you're not going to accidentally have friendly fire turned on. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, there, there's a there's a few realms of this. And another thing I, I thought was so crazy was like, I was talking to a friend. She goes, yeah, I, I walk with my keys in, my, in a fist so I can punch someone. I've never walked around with keys in my fist before. I've never been that scared that I need to think that I need a weapon in my hand at all times. We live different lives, man. Like, yeah. so, like you know, we walk down a dark alley. We're not think the, the what we're thinking is, oh man, I hope my mates got home okay. Like, mm. oh, only a ten minute walk away. Uh, some, some, some like ladies and some some guys, they think, man, this could be the last time. Yeah, like people people are scared, and I'll, and you know what? Any type of protection that gives them a bit of a, uh, gives them a safeguard, it gives them a bit of safety. Like I'm. I'm a fan of it. Like, give you got to give power to. I the saw people. an amazing yeah. video the other day. Someone posted and it was like, "Play this if you're in like an Uber ride and you're a girl." And it was like the girl in the Uber. Um, and if the Uber driver starts, you know, hitting on them, being a bit sexual and pushing, you play the Uber driver. She's like, "Oh, hey, where are you?" And she's like, "Okay, no worries. Like, I'll be waiting for you at this point at, at this part." Like yeah. exactly. Right. And then you keep like replaying that, so the Uber driver thinks, "Oh, oh shit, I better not like." Yeah, wrong. there's an accountability, and that's and that's again, this this is something that blows my mind that this blew up. This was popular for women to have, like they were like, "Oh, I'm going to save mm. this sound," because they see value in this. I wouldn't have seen value in it because I don't see that kind of realm. I don't come from that perspective of I'm in danger all the time. A lot of women do, and yeah, I, I understood your argument before that um, it's not always just women. There's other people at play here, but I think the predominant numbers clearly yeah. suggest. I can, I mean, all of us can list a few of our friends that have been sexually assaulted on a night out. I I can name them. The least list on goes on. Hands. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just disappointing. Anyways, that was. Uh, it's 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 a list you don't want to you don't want to read. No, it's a no. list that you don't want to have in your life. No, it, it sounds awful, and I'd love to build. A, I want to build things that in a world where I had a daughter, that she would be happy and safe to walk down like a street at night like that's that's the world i would love to like aim towards bro just get her into, this is get her into boxing at like three years old and no one want to fuck um, with her yeah but, uh, nah more i think ufc if you don't want to really that's fuck true, with yeah. if you don't want any other fuck yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, Krav Maga. I know, actually i did i did have a second pitch like because when he started like saying this idea i was like oh i don't really know don't know what sean's gonna say and i was hoping he was some he will likely say uh and then, like, he touches you, and a massive dose of pepper spray, <laughs> like, or <laughs> just like shoot out at him. Yeah, <laughs> just have like little, um, uh, like watering things on the side. There's yeah, just start spraying out from the shoulder. Or we go back to the first podcast, and we're talking about the coffee cup with a laser on it. Turns into a flash grenade when someone tries to like approach you. Honestly, that'd be so. <laughs> so many ways to do it. No, nah, but but in in the wrong hands with like you know with somebody with like just low low anxiety and all this like lower self esteem that doesn't want to talk to people. You know, a friendly a, 
a friend could come up to him and say, hey, hi. Ah! Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some friendly fire going on. It's like, oh. But yeah, that was that was my pitch. I thought it was, um, there, there was definitely value in it. And uh, I, I have a few ideas that I had to complete. So I might actually move with that project in a few months' time. But yeah, that that's my end. Um, James, have you got something for us? Um, I want to talk about something for both of you guys and the audience here, a bit of a teaching and something to satisfy some curiosity. Um, you, we all like good beer, right? You know, we, we love to drink beer. Am I, am I correct? What's beer? Of course not. What? Just, of course just, not. Beer? Just, read, just read the title of our, of our episodes here. <laughs> oh, beer. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, you yeah, gotcha. Uh, I thought you said deer. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't, I don't hunt deer. What are you talking deer about? Deer are just short ne- like short-necked giraffe. They're boring. <laughs> <laughs> Pale old man myself. Anyways, all right, off traffic. Talk about beer. Go okay, on, James. So, the art of beer making, right? It's the most simple list of ingredients, but one of the most complex processes to get right. Do you got you guys have been to your fair share of brewery tours and whatnot? Can anyone here tell me the four ingredients beer is made of? It's only four ingredients: hops, water, water. yeast, and can't think of the last wheat. one. Barley. Is it it's barley? yeah, your wheat, your barley, which like forms your malt or your wort, and yeah, that. So this is a very simple list of ingredients, and you think, wow, for four things, I could make beer so easily. Can you guys tell me what you think the most important ingredient in making the beer is? Hard work and dedication. Let's go to the list of four. That's that, that's right <laughs> from a certain extent. It, like love and passion has to go into beer making. You can't cook. You can't. What you can't cook without love. What a fucking. You nerd. can't cook without <laughs> oh, love. I agree. Love and dedication. The most important Ooh. ingredient, believe it or not, is the water. Yep. The water in mm-hmm. which you make the beer is most important. So when we talk about making beer, right? You know you. Pretty much grind your hops. I uh, sorry, you grind your your barley up. You put your hops in the boil and whatnot, and that gets all all the flavors, all the aromas, all the stability in. And you know the the origin of where these hops and where this barley comes from really like you think it determines the flavor. You know if this barley comes from say America versus Germany, like it's going to taste different, and that's true to an extent. But the water has to be the right level of healthy. So there is a lot of things that determines how good a beer is going to be based on the water content. So a lot of people, when they brew their first beer, and a lot of them still haven't learned yet, because I have a lot of people who've spoken about this, is they go, I followed like the recipe, I followed the steps, I followed the process so right, but the beer came out so shit. Like it was tasted like metal or it was really watery or it wasn't frothy. Like what was wrong with it? And I was like, well, did you read the water quality report from like the local water body and they're just like fucking no like who cares like water's just water water's water yeah yeah. like and i'm thinking no 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 no. like the water is the most important part so one of the most essential things about beer brewing and why beer is so different all around the world is because we all have different climates we have different water quality um sorry like different weather patterns and whatnot so and that's 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 pretty much pretty much why now why I say always check the water quality before beer is because you have three main things that influence it. You have the hardness, which is a level of the calcium magnesium in the water. You have the alkalinity, which is the resistance to pH. And then you have the pH. Uh, and then you have the sodium, the sulfate, and the chloride content. And then up on top of that, you have the pH, which comes secondary to all these things. So whenever you go to brew a beer, always check the government guidelines because you need to know what those numbers are and there's a set of table on what your beer should have so for example when you have a stone and wood for example or a hazy ipa or something that's very hoppy that usually has a sulfate to chloride concentrate a car ratio of one to five whereas your oktoberfest german 
like wheat lager beers have a sulfate to chloride ratio of one to one. Um, and then if you don't check your water alkalinity, which is dissolved bicarbonate and carbonate ions, um, which you can calculate by using online calculators, that's going to make your beer taste very bitter and not the type of good bitter where you taste you like, mm, like, you know, that's what I want. It's really, really strong. So a lot of the time when you're brewing beer, if you, what you'll find is in, in, in good urban areas like Sydney, for example, those islands are actually going to be too low, like ironically. So what you want to actually do is add salts into it in the form of like calcium sulfate and whatnot because that'll make it its nice sweetness where it's needed and not make it too minerally, not make it too metally. So it's just a very interesting fact about beer that I wanted to share because like it's just, it's so underappreciated how good the water quality is and I just want people to know that when you brew beer, don't rely on the process entirely. Don't rely on the type of hops you're using. Don't say, oh, you know, this fucked up. Like, I tried this yeast instead of that yeast or whatever. Like, it's like when you drive a car, for example, it's like, oh, I got this type of exhaust because the car was underperforming. And it's just like, have you checked to see if you have an oil leak? Yeah. The, the simple facts in that. A question I had is, um, a lot of this is quite chemically based, which is why I love chemical engineers <clears throat> make beer. Um, but uh, for your average beer maker, brewer, I guess, how easy is it to properly check that the water that's going into the brew is the right level? Absolutely. So we're lucky. I mean, some countries, for example, might not be as lucky with this, but where we live in Australia, for example, all of our local water bodies. So for example, if you live in Melbourne, you've got Melbourne water, you've got Sydney, you've got Sydney water, and it just continues. You can basically call your local water authority or we're lucky that there's a, a, a an actual report on the different water utilities that actually tell you what the water quality is coming into the different parts of town. So where we live, for example, all you got to do is punch in the postcode on the local water utility and it'll actually tell you what the different concentrations of ions are. So, like, for example, we have a chloride of something about 30 milligrams per liter, sodium's a bit lower, magnesium's about 5 milligrams per liter, and all these things are very, very important. So, you might sit there and think, well, don't you want, like, the least amount of minerals in your beer because, like, you know, the more pure it is, the more better it is. Well, no, because when you make beer, you have to add yeast to it and yeast is basically an enzyme. What an enzyme does, it increases the reaction rate by lowering um, the activation energy. So, what, the, what that means in it's just, it, it speeds it up by making the reaction easier to occur and enzymes, so yeast are a bioenzyme, so they're biologically active which, and what they need is these calcium and they need magnesium. It's a nutrient because we need that as well. So, they actually thrive off this to become better. Too much will cause the reaction to go out of balance and things to become sour and too little and they won't be um they'll be malnutrition so um a few things here first one is uh, speaking of minerals and water your average sydney tap water has more minerals in it than bottled mineral water and there's a few reasons for that but that was just a bit of trivia two questions that i had was how often are these reports updated and the second one is if you find that you're uh, the mineral balance isn't right, how easy is it to rectify it and make sure it's in the right range for your brew? Absolutely. So, your first question, uh, the first question was how often are they done? Um, we're lucky in Australia, we get quarterly reports of these um, and the quarterly report is generally good enough because what they'll do is they will specify what the Australian drink water guidelines demands and then it will also specify the average range um, during that month period. So, it shows like some sort of statistical significance around that month period so we're not just taking one sample we're taking a lot of samples um over time and then reporting an average of that i'm pretty sure that's how how the water bodies around australia do it anyway 
Um, secondly, your second question was how often do we have to add minerals to it? Uh, well, sorry, not how often. How do we check if we've done it correctly? Is that pretty much what you Yeah, done? more or less. Yeah. Um, so there's an actual great book and a great guideline on this. that um, It's called... Uh, it's one of my favorite books called How to Brew. And what it's actually got in here is the specific type of salt you need to add, how you calculate it. And so, back to, for example, you look at um, some chemicals, so sodium chloride, for example, you wouldn't actually add that in, but that has some effective effective PPM concentration in it of how much chloride will be dissolved in. What this book will mm. do and what a lot of calculators online will tell you is how much of a specific salt you have to add to add a certain milligrams per liter. So, for example, the guideline for calcium is 50 to 150 parts per million. And the calcium that we have ranges from 20 to 30 parts per million. So you look at something like calcium sulfate, for example, and then you follow one of these online calculators. It tells you how much to add to add your 20 to 30 extra uh, parts per million units. So we're lucky that we live in an environment where people have done this before. They failed miserably and they've updated their results and put these empirical calculations on. Is, Is there a way to like quantitatively check after you've added in your your minerals and whatnot, that it's it's in the range or if you've added too much or too little. Yep. Literally go on Google and type in order online, sorry, order water quality testing kit. And these water quality oh, testing perfect. kits will tell you everything. It won't be as accurate as, you know, the thousand of dollars high-tech GC analyzers and, um, you know, uh, AAS spectrometers and whatnot, but it tells you a range, for example. So you won't get a nice reading, but what you'll get is um, a certain color. And that color will be darker or lighter depending on how much of that mineral is in there. And then you follow yeah. that guideline. Um, like, this, like the pool pH tests and whatnot. Exactly right. So you have many different ways of measuring it. Your barometers, for example, that measures the gravity after it's done. That tells you that your alcohol content is actually up there. So <laughs> what I did was when I burned one of my first ever beers is like I got... You use dextrose sugar because yeast, they love very, very simple sugars. Anything complex, it has a hard time breaking down. And it basically takes too long. So <laughs> when I did my first ever, I added some extra dextrose. I'm like, oh, more sugar equals more alcohol. This is basic fermentation reaction. So I did that and then I tested it. And instead of getting a 5% alcohol content, which is aim for, it was a 12% beer. And this is why they say brewing your own beer can kill you because the effective alcohol <laughs> is actually like, it's yeah. not diluted enough. So it's like, basically having a, a caffeinated drink, but that caffeinated drink has no water. It's just like straight caffeine. It's like 20 shots of coffee. I remember like yeah. one time me and Sean played Oz Tag together. I saw Sean and I, sorry. And then I was like, oh, we'll bring our own beers. And after the game, we like had one bottle of beer and we had to drive. And then I was just like, dude, I'm pissed. Uh, everyone brought their own like two years news and Carlton drives and whatnot. And we just, everyone's like, what the fuck is that? We had a little plastic bottle to get in the starter kit. And then we were just so fucked. Like, we're tipsy from this one beer and we're like, we shouldn't have yeah. brought that. I think that was because we just played like 40 minutes of Oztag and super dehydrated as well. But yeah, there was a, I was like, I'm going to wait a little bit and then drive to make sure I'm okay. And then, you yeah, know, I felt all right. But yeah, initially I was like, oh man, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't go anywhere near my car right now. <laughs> but I'm guessing this has come from potentially learned experience, James. Um, well, like, no need to toot my own horn or anything, but I've only brewed beer three times. And every time I've done it, I haven't got the terrible result of having, like, sludge in your beer. So, it hasn't come out perfect. But a lot of where a lot of people fail their first time is they get sludge in their beer. It's too bitter. 
and the beard comes from the alkalinity. Um, but for me, having that background already, I kind of knew what to check. So I had a bit of a head start in a, in a certain way. And I had a good conversation with the beer brewer who I got everything from, who had done it many, many times. So like, I'm not saying I knew all this stuff, but I had I was able to validate it and have that conversation with him. I'm not that great. So I'm not that actually great at brewing beer. I haven't done it that many so times. But. To have a head start at making beer, you need a $50,000 chemical engineering degree. And at that point, you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it pays back. Trust me, it pays back. It pays back. <laughs> but no, it's, it's honestly like one of the most amazing things you learn as a chemical engineer is how to brew beer. They actually teach you that. And we did it. You do assignments on it and whatnot, and create energy from it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a good bit of um, kit for everyone to know out there. I know a lot of people want to brew beer, especially during like the lockdowns and whatnot. If you want a little hobby to do, get into the beer brewing. You know how we were talking about nicknames like the other mm-hmm. day. I think I finally came up with James's. What is it? Give it. Hit me. James the James Aquaman Preziosa. Wait, wait, why? Just because you're all about the water, mate. All about water. Yeah, well, yeah all about water. <laughs> like everything you bring up is about water. Aquaman. I mean, you do have his physique as well, so that does make sense. I thought that's what it was yeah, going to be based I... off. Honestly, like I'm actually devastated. No, no, that's God, not no, what no, it was no. about. I th- compare me to Jason no, Momoa. If anything, you more, if anything, you more look like the uh, the 1960s Aquaman. You know, just uh, yeah, a bit scrawny, uh, <laughs> and just, just real, just really loves talking to his best friend. Gilligan the fish yeah like. blonde hair just, no you, you got a point because whenever Sean and I have like you know our, where we fill each other in on what we've learned on the industry a lot of his is on solar a lot of mine's on water it's just what we're passionate about it's like mm-hmm. when, when you go through and get your degree you always pick up one or two things that you really love and I love renewable en- like energy so I always ask that stuff from Sean and Sean's asked me a couple of questions and yeah. you learn from each other but yeah I, th- I think we've had some some great pointers today um, and we're just about ready to um to go to bed, to have an early night. It's Sunday, yeah, yeah. We've got to get up early. Uh, I think go a, for a Sunday session podcast was good, but I think it's yeah, vibing out. It's 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 all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gusto levels are down. Time <laughs> to bed. All right. Well, I've been uh been your James for this evening, joined by my amazing, excellent, fresh-looking co-hosts. Thank you, boys. Thank you for your amazing inputs. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Giddy up.